Chapter Eight of Khaled, A Tale of Arabia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Khaled, A Tale of Arabia by Francis Marion Crawford. Chapter Eight Abdullah ibn Muhammad, though a young man, was now the sheikh of a considerable tribe which had frequently done good service to the late sultan zahawa's father and which had also borne a prominent part in the recent war abdul karim whom almasta had murdered had been the sheikh during his lifetime and if the claims of birth had been justly considered his son though a mere boy should have succeeded him but abdullah had found it easy to usurp the chief place and in the council which was held after abdul karim's death he was chosen by acclamation it chanced too that he was not married at the time when he took almasta for of two wives the one had died of a fever during the summer and he had divorced the other on account of her unbearable temper having been deceived in respect of this by her parents who had assured him that she was as gentle as a dove and as submissive as a lamb but she had turned out to be as quarrelsome as a wasp and as unmanageable as an untrained hawk so he divorced her and the more readily because she was not beautiful and her dower had been insignificant almasta therefore found that she was her husband's only wife she would certainly have killed him as she had killed abdul karim and indeed the late sultan in the hope of being taken back into the palace but she was prevented by the fear of death for she had seen that khaled's threat was not empty and would be executed if harm came to abdullah after his marriage she accordingly set herself to please him and first of all she learned to speak the arabic language in order that she might sing to him in his own tongue and tell him tales of distant countries which she had learned in her own home abdullah passed the months of autumn and the early winter in the desert moving about from place to place as is the custom of the bedouins it being his intention to reach a northerly point of Ajman in the spring in order to fall upon the persian pilgrims and extort a ransom before they entered the territory of nejd for it would not be lawful to attack them after that since there was a treaty with the emir of basra allowing the pilgrims a safe and free passage towards mecca for which the emir paid yearly a sum of money to the sultan of nejd but almasta knew nothing of this for she was wholly ignorant of the desert and moreover abdullah was a cautious man who held that whatsoever is to be kept secret must not be uttered aloud though there be no one within three days journey to hear it abdullah treated her with great consideration not obliging her to weary herself overmuch with cooking 
and other work of the tents for he rejoiced in her beauty and in the sweetness of her voice and his chief delight was to sit in the door of the tent at night chewing frankincense while almasta sat within close behind him and told him tales of her own country or of the life in the palace of riyadh the latter indeed was as strange to him as the former and much more interesting now one evening they were alone together in this manner and it was not yet very cold but the stars shone brightly as though there would be a frost before morning and the other tents were all closed and no one was near the coals which remained from the fire after baking the blanket bread one might hear the chewing of the camels in the dark and the tramping of a mare that moved slowly about her hind feet being chained together tell me more of the palace at riyadh said abdallah for your kura and your snow-covered kazbek and your tiflis with its warm springs and gardens i shall never see but i have seen the courts of the palace from my youth and the sultan's kawa and the latticed windows of the harem from which you say that you saw me and loved me in the last days of summer almasta had said this to please him though it was not true for she knew that men easily believe what flatters them as women believe that what they desire must come to pass the palace is a wonderful palace said almasta and i will tell you of the treasures which are in it that is what i wish to hear answered abdallah putting a piece of frankincense into his mouth and beginning to chew it tell me of the treasures for it is said that they are great and of extraordinary value the value of them cannot be calculated o abdallah for if you had seventy thousand hands and on each hand seventy thousand fingers you could not count upon your fingers in a whole lifetime the gold sharifs and sequins and tomans which are hidden away there in bags beneath the court of strangers there is a great chamber built of stone in which the sacks of gold are kept and they are piled up to the roof of the vault on all sides and in the middle leaving only narrow passages between if it is all gold what is the use of the passages asked abdallah i do not know but they are there and there is another room filled with silver in the same manner there are also secret places underground in which jewels are kept in chests rubies and pearls and indian diamonds and emeralds in such quantities that they would suffice to make necklaces of a thousand rows each for each of the mountains in my country and we have many mountains great ones not such as the little hills you have seen but several days journey in height for we say that when the lord made the earth it was at first unsteady and he set our mountains upon it in the middle to make it firm and it has never moved since i do not believe this said abdallah tell me more about the jewels in riyadh 
there is no end of them they are like the grains of sand in the desert and no one of them is worth less than a thousand gold sharifs i do not even know the names of the different kinds but there are turquoises without number of the maidan and all good so that you may write upon them with a piece of gold as with a pen and there are red stones as large as a dove's egg red and fiery as the wine of cachetia and others blue as the sky in winter and yellow ones and some with leaves of gold in them like morsels of trang floating in the juice but besides the gold and silver and precious stones there are thousands of rich garments which are kept in chests of fragrant wood in upper chambers a boss woven of gold and silk and linen and vests embroidered with pearls and shoes of which even the soles appear to be of gold and there are great pieces of stuff indian silk and persian velvet and even satin from stamboul woven by unbelievers with the help of devils then too in the palace of riyadh there are stored great quantities of precious weapons most of them made in syria with many swords of sham which you say are the best though i do not understand the matter each having an inscription in letters of gold upon the blade and the hilt most cunningly chiselled in the same metal or carved out of ivory i saw the treasure of hail when we took it away after the war and most of it was distributed among us but there was nothing like this said abdallah the treasure of hail is to the treasure of riyadh as a small black fly walking upon the face of the sun answered almasta and yet there was wealth there also and there was much which you never saw for that khaled who is now sultan is crafty and avaricious and he loaded many camels secretly by night being helped by black slaves all of whom he slew afterwards with his own hand lest they should tell the tale and he then called camel drivers and sent them away with the beasts to riyadh and he said to them these are certain loads of fine wheat and of mellow dates for the sultan's table such as cannot be found in riyadh but he sent a letter to his father-in-law who caused all the packs to be taken immediately to one of the secret chambers where he and his daughter zahawa took out the jewels and stored them with their own and as for me i believe that khaled made an end of the sultan himself by means of poison in Dereya, for he rode away suddenly after they had met as though his conscience smote him what is this evil tale which you are telling me cried abdallah surely it is a lie for khaled is a brave man who gives every one his due and deceives no one and he is by no means subtle for i have heard him in council and he generally said only smite but sometimes he said strike 
and that was all his eloquence but whether he said the one or the other he was generally the first to follow his own advice which indeed by the merciful dispensation of allah procured us the victory but what is this tale which you have invented and who is this khaled whom you praise asked almasta and how can you know his craftiness as i know it who have lived in the palace and braided his wife's hair and brought him drink when he was thirsty is he a man of your tribe whose descent you can count upon your fingers from him to his grandfather and to ishmael and abraham or is he a man of a tribe known to you and whose generations you also know has any man called him khaled ibn mohammed or khaled ibn abdallah or has he ever spoken of his father who is probably now drinking boiling water and the black angels are pounding his head with iron maces yet he says that he came from the desert then you who are of the desert do not know the desert for you do not know whence he is but there are those who do know and he fears them lest they should tell the truth and destroy him these are idle tales said abdallah is it probable that the sultan would have bestowed his daughter and all the treasures you have described upon such a man without having made inquiries concerning his family and if the sultan said nothing to us about it and if khaled holds his peace they have doubtless their reasons for it may be that there is a blood feud between the people of khaled and some great person in riyadh so that he would be in danger of his life if he revealed his father's name allah knows it is not our business o oh, abdallah you are simple and you believe all things cried almasta but i heard of him in basra what did you hear in basra and how could you have heard of him there i was in the emir's harem being kept there to rest from the journey after they had brought me from the north and there i heard of khaled for the women talked of him having been told tales about him by a merchant who was admitted to the palace now this is great folly answered abdallah for khaled came suddenly to riyadh and was married immediately to zahawa and on the next day he went out with us against hail which we took from the shamar in three weeks time from the day of our marching moreover we found you there in the palace how then could news of khaled have reached basra before you left that place i had come to hail but the day before you attacked the city said almasta but did i say that i had heard of him as already married to zahawa for she saw that she had run the risk of being found out in a lie and she made haste to defend herself what did you hear of him asked abdallah he was a notable fellow and a robber answered almasta for he is a persian and a shia who offers prayers to ali in secret 
but because he had done many outrageous deeds a great price was set upon his head throughout persia so he fled into arabia and by his boldness and craft he married zahawa and now he has made a secret covenant to deliver over the kingdom of nejd to the persians then abdullah laughed aloud who shall deliver over the bedouin to a white-faced people who live on boiled chestnuts and ride astride of a camel and when a man has got a kingdom why should he give it up to any one except under force there is a reason for this too almasta answered unabashed for the king of the persians whom they call the padishah has an only daughter of great beauty and khaled is to receive her in marriage as the price of nejd then he will by treachery destroy the padishah's sons and will inherit persia also as he has inherited nejd and after that he will make war upon the romans in stamboul and will become the master of the whole world this is a strange tale and seems full of madness said abdallah i do not believe it tell me rather a story of your own country and afterwards we will sleep for to-morrow we will leave this place i will tell you a wonderful history which is quite true answered almasta take this fresh piece of frankincense which i have prepared for you and put it into your mouth for you will then not interrupt me with questions while i am speaking so abdallah took the savoury gum and chewed it and almasta told him the tale which here follows there is in the north beyond persia a great and prosperous kingdom lying between two seas and resembling paradise for its wonderful beauty all the hills are covered with trees of every description in which innumerable birds make their nests all of a beautiful plumage and good for man to eat and in these forests there are also great herds of animals whose name i do not know in arabic having branching horns and kindred to the little beast which you call the cow of the desert but far better to eat and as large as full-grown camels a man who is hungry need only shoot an arrow at a venture for the birds and animals are so numerous that he will certainly hit something this kingdom is watered everywhere by rivers and streams abounding in fish all good to eat and easily caught and all the valleys are filled with vineyards of black and white grapes but the people of this country are chiefly christians may allah send them enlightenment now the king was an old man who delighted in feasting and cared little for the affairs of the nation preferring a lute to a sword and a wine-cup to a shield and the feet of dancing girls to the hoofs of war-horses he had no son to go out to war for him but only one beautiful daughter like the sultan of our country who died said abdallah very much 
there were also other points of resemblance now there was a certain tartar in the kingdom of samarkand called ismail who was a robber and had destroyed many caravans on the march and had broken into many houses both in samarkand and tashkent a notable evildoer but having one day stolen a fleet mare from the sultan's stables the soldiers pursued him and in order to escape impalement he fled no one could catch him because the mare he had stolen was the fleetest in great tartary so he rode westward through many countries and by the shores of the inland sea until he came to the kingdom which i have described there he hid himself in the forest for some time and waylaid travellers making them tell him all that they knew of the kingdom and afterwards killing them but when he had obtained all that he wanted both rich garments and splendid weapons and the necessary information he left the forest and rode into the capital city then he went to the king and desired of him a private audience which was granted he said that he was the son of a powerful christian prince and had been taken captive by the tartars but had escaped and he offered to make all tartary subject to the king if only he might marry his daughter and whether by magic or by eloquence he succeeded for the king was old and feeble-minded but soon after the wedding he poisoned his father-in-law and became king in his place though there were many in the land who had a better right being closely connected with the royal blood this is the story of khaled said abdallah i know the truth why do you weary me trying to deceive me and calling him a robber but it is true that in nedged there are men of good descent who have a better right to sit on the throne hear what followed answered almasta this man ismail afterwards took captive a woman of the tartars who knew who he was though he supposed her ignorant and he gave her in marriage to the youngest and bravest of his captains a man to whom allah had vouchsafed the tongue of eloquence and the teeth of strength and the lips of discretion to close together and hide both at the proper season the woman told her husband who ismail was and instructed him concerning the palace its passages and secret places and the treasures that were hidden there and she told him also that ismail had made a covenant with the sultan of his own country which would bring destruction upon the nation he now ruled for she loved her husband on account of his youth and beauty and she had embraced his faith and was ready to die for him the husband's name was abdallah said abdallah and he also loved his wife who surpassed other women in beauty as a bay mare surpasses pigs he afterwards loved her still better answered almasta 
for though he was only chief over four hundred tents she gave him a kingdom hear what followed but i will call him abdullah if you please though his name was imshket allah is merciful there are no such names in arabia this one is like the breaking of earthen vessels upon stones call him abdullah abdullah therefore went to the wisest and most discreet of his kindred and spoke to them of the great treasures which were hidden in the palace and he pointed out to their obscured sight that all this wealth had been got by them and their fathers in war and had been taken in tithes from the people and was now in the possession of ismail and they talked among themselves and saw that this was indeed true and at another time he told them that ismail was not really of their religion but a hypocrite and again a third time he told them the whole truth so that their hearts burned when they knew that their king was but a robber who had been condemned to death though they were discreet men the story was in some way told abroad among the soldiers doubtless by the intervention of angels so that all the people knew it and were angry against ismail and ready to break out against him so soon as a man could be found to lead them but said abdallah this ismail doubtless had a strong guard of soldiers about him and had given gifts to his captains and shown honor to them so that they were attached to him undoubtedly replied almasta and but for his wife abdallah could not have succeeded she advised him to go to his discreet kindred and friends and say to them see if you will afterwards support me i will go alone into the palace and will get the better of this ismail when he is asleep and i will so do that the soldiers shall not oppose me and afterwards you will all enter together and the treasure shall be divided but we will throw some of it to the people lest they be disappointed and so he did for his wife knew the secret entrances to the palace and took him in with her by night disguised as a woman and they went together silently into the harem and slew ismail and bound his wife and took the keys of the treasure chambers from under the pillow after this they took from the gold as many bags as there were soldiers and waked each man giving him a sack of sharifs and bidding him take as much more as he could find for the king was dead then abdallah's friends were admitted and they divided the treasure and went abroad before it was day calling upon the people that ismail was dead and that a man of their own nation was king in his place and scattering handfuls of gold into every house as they passed and behold before the second call to prayer abdullah was king and all the people came and did homage to him 
and abdullah himself was astonished when he saw how easy it had been and loved his wife even better than before so almasta finished her tale and there was silence for a time while abdallah sat still and gazed at the closed tents in the starlight and listened to the distant chewing of the camels give me some water he said at last i am very thirsty she brought him drink from the skin and soon afterwards he lay down to rest but they said nothing more to each other that night of the story which almasta had told on the following day they journeyed fully eleven hours to a place where there was much water and in the evening when the camels were chewing and all the bedouins had eaten and were resting in their tents abdallah sat again in his accustomed place almasta light of my darkness he said i would gladly hear again something of the tale you told me last night for i have not remembered it well being overburdened with the cares of my people and the direction of the march surely you said that when the woman and her husband had killed ismail they took the keys of the treasure chambers from under his pillow is it not so they did so abdallah and they immediately went and took the gold and gave it to the guards but i have forgotten for it is a matter of little importance being but a tale that is what they did answered almasta but surely this is a fable how could the woman know the way to the treasure chambers and find it in the dark for you said also that these secret places were underground and therefore a great way from the harem i did not say that abdallah for the secret places underground are those in riyadh which i described to you before i began the other story this may be true for i am very forgetful but i dare say that the treasures in the city you described were also hidden in similar places since you speak of this i remember that it was so the glorious light of your intelligence penetrates the darkness of my memory and makes it clear the places were exactly similar how then could the woman who only knew the harem find her way in the dark and lead her husband to a part of the palace which she had never visited this is a hard thing it was not hard for her she had seen ismail open with his key a door in his sleeping chamber and he had gone in and after some time had returned bearing sacks of gold pieces was this a hard thing or does a wise man make two doors to his treasure house the one for himself and the other for thieves the one leading to his own chamber for his own use and the other opening upon the highway for the convenience of robbers it is possible but i think not ismail had but one door he was not an egyptian jackass this is reasonable said abdallah 
and i am now satisfied but my imagination was not at rest for the story is a good one and deserves to be well told after this abdullah wandered for a long time with the bedouins who accompanied him often changing his direction so that they wondered whither he was leading them and began to question him but he answered that he had heard secretly of a great spoil to be taken and that they should all have a share of it and whenever they came upon arabs of another tribe abdullah invited the sheikh and the most notable men to his tent and entertained them sumptuously with camel's meat afterwards talking long with them in private before many weeks had passed the skilful men of the tribe who knew the signs were aware that many other bedouins were travelling in the same direction as themselves though they could not be seen but neither abdullah's men nor almasta herself could know that in three months the sheikhs of all the tribes from hassa to harb and from ajman to el Khora, had heard that khaled the sultan was a persian robber and a shia at heart venerating ali and execrating the true sana a man who in all probability drank wine in secret and who was certainly plotting to deliver up all nedged to the power of the ajem some of them believed the tale readily enough for all had asked whence khaled was and none had got an answer could a man be of the desert they asked and yet not be known by name in any of the tribes nor his father before him surely there was a secret they said and he who will not tell the name of his father has a reason for changing his own and as for his being brave and having fought well in the war with the shamar how could a man have been a robber if he were not brave and why should he not fight manfully since he had everything to gain and nothing to lose as for the spoils too he had made a pretence of dividing them justly but it was now well known that he had laden camels by stealth at hail and had sent them secretly to riyadh slaughtering with his own hand all those who had helped him little by little too the story came to riyadh and was told in a low voice by merchants in the bazaar and repeated by their wives among their acquaintance and by the slaves in the market and among the beggars who begged by the doors of the great mosque but were fed daily from the palace and though many persons of the better sort thought that the story might be true and wagged their heads when khaled's name was spoken yet the beggars with one accord declared that it was a lie for khaled was generous in almsgiving and they said if khaled is overthrown and another sultan set up in his place how do we know whether there will be boiled camel's meat from time to time as well as blanket bread and a small measure of barley meal
and will the next sultan scatter gold in the streets as Khaled did on the first day when he rode to the mosque truly these chatterers of bedouins talk much of the treasure in the palace which will be divided but they who talk most of gold are they who most desire it and we shall get none therefore we say it is a lie and khaled is a true man and a sauna like ourselves not a swiller of wine nor a devourer of pigs allah show him mercy now and at the day of resurrection the cock sparrow is pluming his breast while the hunter is pulling the string of the snare thus the beggars talked among themselves all day reasoning after the manner of their kind but they suffered other people to talk as they pleased for one who desires alms must not exhibit a contradictory disposition lest the rich man be offended and eat the melon together with the melon peels and exclaim that the dirt scraper has become a preacher for the rich man's anger is at the edge of his nostrils and always ready as the winter passed away and the spring began the tribes of the desert drew nearer and nearer to the city as is their wont at that season for many of the sheikhs had houses in the city in which they spent the hot months of the year while their people were encamped in the low hill country not far off where the heat is less fierce than in the plains and the deserts and now also the season of the hajj was approaching for ramadan was not far off and the beggars congregated at the gates waiting for the first pilgrims and expecting plentiful alms which in due time they received for in that year abdallah did not molest the persian pilgrimage his mind being occupied with other matters End of chapter 8